Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Boris Johnson's explosive resignation letter produced further turmoil in the Conservative Party this week, with allies supporting his claims that the Privileges Committee was part of a witch hunt against him. The Secretary for Energy Security, Grant Shapps, was clearly not part of that group and was fairly biting in his remarks to Sophie Ridge, telling her the world had moved on from Johnson and people did not miss the drama that came with him. So do you think it was moved on from Boris Johnson? Well, I mean, clear, just factually speaking, Boris Johnson's no longer um, Prime Minister. And, you know, as I say, I think people uh, appreciate, I, I, I like Boris Johnson, I worked under his administration. He had successes, many successes to his name, in, including breaking the Brexit impasse and including getting this country vaccinated first. Um, but there was also always a lot of drama that came with all of that. Uh, the world has moved on, not least because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, the high levels of inflation that created, and so things like fighting uh, inflation and uh, growing the economy, and the things that Rishi Sunak is focused on now. And it has to be said, having some success with with things like stop, you know, reducing the number of small boats, we've seen them down you 20% say, um... this year. I think the world has moved on in that regard. Former Downing Street Communications Director Guto Harry came to Johnson's defence, saying he could understand why Johnson felt aggrieved at being pushed out of politics. He expressed his frustration that the Partygate scandal had overshadowed the accomplishments made during Johnson's time in office and made the case that many voters might be unhappy that the Prime Minister they voted for was now no longer a Member of Parliament. I think what he's done is take charge this weekend of a situation that was out of his control and drifting, you know, inevitably towards a very, very unhappy and undignified sort of conclusion. And so, if you like, he's gone jumping in, you know, waving Union Jacks, if you like, um, rather than be dragged kicking and screaming out of Parliament. And though I won't join those who openly criticise the process and all that, I do understand why he feels... Uh, understandably aggrieved by the process that has not only taken him out of office, stopped him being prime minister, but now hounded him out of politics. Because as you rightly said, he is a man who uh, defied political gravity and only a couple of years ago, a few years ago, won the biggest majority for 40 years. And so I think those people who voted Conservative, most of them having never contemplated voting Conservative before, it was very much a personalised Boris-branded pitch at the last election will feel aggrieved that the man who they wanted as Prime Minister is now not even in Parliament, not to mention in M10. More Boris Johnson drama came along in the form of accusations that a member of Sunak's team may have removed names from the former Prime Minister's honours list, although Grant Shapps denied this to be true. Labour's David Lammy took issue with the integrity of some of the people being rewarded, but told Koonsberg that Labour would continue with the honours system, despite agreeing that it was Labour policy to look at scrapping the House of Lords. And so you're clearly very unhappy with how the Conservatives have been using the honours system. Is it right, though, in principle, that Prime Ministers should be able to send allies, former staffers, to the House of Lords? Look... After Grenfell Tower, where I lost a friend, Jacob Rees-Mogg said that the residents of that tower lacked common sense. I don't believe someone, he is someone who should have been rewarded. Priti Patel, 
um, was found to be bullying in her department. I don't believe she should be rewarded. And I don't believe that if a government sets rules for everybody else during a pandemic, it's right that those who encourage parties in number 10 should be rewarded. But I'm asking you about the principle here, though. You know, you've been clear, you don't approve of those specifics. But on principle, is it right that we have a system in this country where prime ministers can send their allies and friends to the House of Lords or give them gongs for whatever reason it appears they fancy? The principle is founded on good faith and we've had prime ministers that have abided by that good faith. The problem is at the moment is we have a lot of bad faith and that's why you put the questions to so, Grant Shapps that you did. So would Labour uh, and on preserve that, then the honours system as it stands? Of, of course we would preserve the, the honours system. In a typically controversial interview, Nigel Farage criticised Sunak for not repealing EU law, claiming there were many in power trying to subvert Brexit. He said Johnson's role in the Conservative Party was over, but suggested there was a bigger gap for a new insurgent party on the right than there was when UKIP came to prominence, and that several members of Parliament could be interested in joining. Nigel Farage, there is a Brexiteer Prime Minister. We really? have left the, really? the European Union. Yeah, Rishi Sunak is a Brexiteer. I never saw him. He's in charge. Well, he was on that side in the Leave campaign. We have left the European Union. There's a government with a big majority that could, if they wanted, go much further in terms of the changes that they yes. want to make. Well, that's the They've point. They've chosen not to make that decision. Yeah. But it's not credible, is it, to say the decisions of Rishi Sunak add up to a plot to subvert Brexit? Oh, I'm not saying Rishi Sunak himself is involved in a plot, uh, but what we do know is the big corporates, um, elements of the media, would love to reverse what happened with a Brexit referendum. And with Rishi Sunak, by not getting rid of EU law, by not diverging, makes it very easy for Keir Starmer to sign us straight back up to a single market. Which, of course, he says and has said repeatedly that he will not do. But I wonder, you talk there about a kind of gap in the political market. Mm. Have any Conservative MPs been in touch with you saying they might be interested? More than before. I think there are quite a lot of Conservative MPs right now who know they're going to lose their seats. The Red Wallers know they're going to lose their seats, as it is, running as Conservatives. And if there was a coming together on the centre-right, which is where the gap is... I think quite a few would. How many then? You say more have been in touch well, with you potentially, before. Potentially, double figures would not be hard to see. You suggest that more than 10 Conservative MPs might be in the mood to walk away and join, join some kind of outfit with you? Well, I think it needs, I think it needs to be more than just me. You know, I, I, I think you, know, you can have one person leading a party into a European election or something like that. A general election, you've got to have a range of talents. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Boris Johnson's going to do. But I see a bigger gap for an insurgency today than it did before. Finally, Scottish First Minister Hamza Yousaf told Koonsberg he was confident he would be the leader that delivers independence, despite the chaos in the Scottish National Party. He said that support for independence was rock solid, although when Koonsberg pointed out that the numbers had been falling back, he admitted that there wasn't a consistently settled majority in favour. Do you accept that a vote for independence in the context of a general election doesn't change anything. It would have well, no effect. No, I, I don't agree that Westminster parties continue, can continue to ignore the will of the Scottish people. They, they can become, by law. Uh, you don't like they, it, but they can they, they by will, law. By law. But of course, what we will do and what we will seek to do is continue to ensure that we try to break that logjam through the power of the people. Well, let's talk then about 
what the people want. Do you still believe there needs to be a consistent majority for independence before there were to be another referendum? Uh, yes. And what does that actually translate into? So some people in your party used to say it would mean six months of backing for independence at over 60%. And actually, support has been falling back. So how do you define a consistent majority for independence? Well, one day one poll will say that independence is above 50%, poll the next day will tell us that it's a bit lower uh, than 50%. So we're there or thereabouts in relation to support for independence. I don't want to be there or thereabouts. I want to make sure that independence is a consistent, settled will. So at the moment, for example, it's pretty obvious uh, that independence is not the consistent uh, settled will of the Scottish people. So what you're saying, it's obvious that right now there is not majority support it's, for independence. It's very, look, first and foremost, we have that mandate for uh, an independence referendum. And There's simply no doubt about that. that. But There's what you've no just said is there is what no I've, consistent what, majority for independence. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Joe Bidell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>